Lose the Cape Podcast, episode 170. Hey, hey, mamas, welcome back to another episode of the Lose the Cape Podcast, hosted by Alexa Bigwarf and Nancy Caviones. We hope we are enjoying the podcast episodes that we have been bringing you so far in 2019. It's truly our intent to dig into issues and topics that we're interested about or um, want to bring awareness about and want to open a conversation about. So, um, last week, we talked to Desiree Peterkin Bell about the importance of um, the role that white women can play as accomplices and allies to women of color in this world that we're living in these days, where we are finally starting to, if not awaken to, at least talk about some of the things that have been going on that nobody's been willing to stand up and talk about and make a path for the better, support each other as women, celebrate our. Um, our likenesses and, you know, and celebrate the differences that make us wonderful as humans, but not uh, discriminate between each other, if that makes sense. So we really, I really enjoyed that, that interview. I thought it was very heartfelt. And it truly is a passion of mine to, um, to, to, to be a support for other people in our society that are are standing up against roadblocks, really. I mean, I've, I always love to be a voice for marginalized voices and for those without voices, which is how I started all of my advocacy in the first place with the grief and infant loss and prematurity and all of those things. And it feels very natural to me to continue on even down a different path a little bit, but still continuing advocacy and awareness and, um, you know, talking about issues that not everybody is talking about, but I feel like a lot of people want to. And it's hard. It's hard to choose the right words. It's hard to um, have the discussion without becoming defensive or, you know, feeling um, judged or any of those things. So I hope that you got a chance to listen to it. And if you didn't, that you'll go back and listen to it. And we'd love to hear your feedback and what else you want to hear about. So we're making kind of a big jump this week. We're still talking about awareness and, and things that are important to me. I think that's one of the coolest things about this podcast is that we are not like single issue oriented. There's a lot of things that need to be talked about and a lot of awareness on a lot of topics that we that we need to be um, bringing out there. And um, the thing that we are talking about this week mostly because we are so busy and down in the nuts and bolts of it, is talking about the power of our words, uh, healing through writing, and really trying to use our painful experiences or our good experiences, whatever they might be, that other people are looking for to help them through a difficult time can um can 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 read and can get a hold of and can can use us as uh, we share our experiences. Boy, I'm getting tongue tied around this one. But basically, the power of our words to help other people get through difficult times is what I'm trying to spit out here. Um, <clears throat> if you haven't been following us for long and don't know my my job is as a publisher and as a self publishing coach and an author coach, book shepherd, whatever you want to call it. Basically, I help people get their books uh, published. So I help some people write their books if they're struggling with that element. But one of the big things that we do every year is the Women in Publishing Summit. And what you may not also know is that Nancy is not only my co-host on the Lose the Cape podcast, she is also an integral part of my business. And it's only as we got to know each other through my Write, Publish, Sell, and Cat Biggie Press businesses that we realized that we were both so connected on some of these topics and really wanted to um, bring awareness to these social justice and other social issues and all of these things. So then she started co-hosting the podcast with me. So that's a little bit of background on that if you didn't know. But we have been working our tails off, the two of us and a couple other um, key team members, Raywin Sangari, who does our Instagram. She does the Lose the Cape Instagram. So shout out to her for fabulousness on that account. But we have been planning this massive free online conference for women who want to write a book, who are writing a book, who are thinking about writing a book, who are who have even published books. And it's a, it's a celebration of women who are in the publishing process somehow, whether they're writers, editors, graphic artists and designers, marketers, publishers, uh, everywhere in that mindset coaches, everywhere in the process somehow associated with the publication, the writing, the production, publication and marketing of a book. 
and it's five days of free content with women from all of those places. But our theme this year is how to change the world with your words, basically. And um, rather than putting together an, a completely unrelated podcast episode this week, I made the decision that I'm going to cross-promote my businesses because I think there's a lot of women who listen to this that can really, really benefit. Even if you don't go to the Women in Publishing Summit, which you totally should, go sign up for free at womeninpublishingsummit.com. Uh, very easy to get to. Even if you don't go register for that, I think you're going to enjoy this interview. It's a panel interview with women from very different walks of life. I'm going to warn you, there are some very sensitive topics talked about on this. It's largely a discussion on why we chose to write our books, the power of our words, and how we can help others through difficult times by writing about them. And we talk about a lot of different things from from cancer and um, sexual assault and bullying and transgender issues and all kinds of things. We really cover the gamut. We also cried. We got very emotional. This is what women do, and I love it. And that's part of the reason why the Women in Publishing Summit is so important to me. But anyway... I do hope you'll listen to this panel interview. These are amazing, incredibly diff different women. One of the women on the panel, Lois, is completely blind. I mean, we just, we we covered some big issues, some big topics, some big limitations, and talked about how we survive these really difficult things, why we've all chosen to write about it to help others, and how other people can be encouraged by our stories um, with us. So again, womeninpublishingsummit.com, go sign up, be a part of it, listen, you're going to love it. Even if you're not writing a book, some of the mindset and um, other just like marketing things, no matter what you're trying to work through uh, in your business or what you're trying to market are totally useful to you public relations things, using live video to grow your platform. I mean, just it's an amazing compilation of speakers, of diversity, of love, of just incredibleness. I'm so proud of this event. I'm so proud of the women in the event. And I'm so proud to share it with you and to give you all a sneak peek because guess what? Nobody else has had access to this interview yet. They won't get it until next week. So, all right, ladies, I hope you enjoy it. Please feel free to share. Please feel free to go leave us reviews on iTunes. Join us in our Facebook group, which is your mom squad, all these things. But most importantly, go register for the Women in Publishing Summit because that's what we're promoting today. <laughs> we appreciate you and hope you are enjoying all of our episodes that we're putting out. Thanks for being a part of our community. Thanks for being willing to open your minds and your hearts and, um, and, and join us on our discovery of all of these things that we want to learn more about too. Have a great day and enjoy the interview. It's really a joy today in the Women in Publishing Summit to bring you this fantastic group of women with very, very vast um, backgrounds and knowledge areas and life experiences. Our panel discussion today is really, really tightly connected to our overall theme of the summit, and that is using your words to change the world, the power of our words to make a difference, basically. And this panel is going to dig deep into that with, uh, we've titled it, um, Embracing your story and sharing your story and basically the idea here is how we can take our own personal stories and make a bigger impact in the world. So um, I am going to make sure that we have included everyone's full bios inside the, the, the um, message content, the content area of this post. So if you're listening to the audio or listen, you know, not sitting there make sure you go back and, and actually look at the post so you can find out about all these incredible women and the links to get to them and really quickly we're going to go through and offer everybody the opportunity to introduce themselves so you know who's speaking and we will start with nina thank you and welcome so much to all of you yes hi guys my name is nina spear and i am from birmingham alabama and i'm an at law here, and I am the recently published author of Dear Future Lawyer, uh, an intimate survival guide for the female minority law student. Wow, that sounds like a, a very relevant topic right now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for being here. All right, Laura. 
I'm Lara. I'm from Florida. I'm a four-time cancer survivor. I've had uh, dialysis, kidney transplant, you name it. I was originally diagnosed in 1975, so I'm a 43-year survivor. So my big deal is helping others embrace their scars and stay groovy despite life's blind sides. And I just recently published my novel, Scar Scribbles and the Power of Crayons. Started out as a as a memoir, but that didn't work. So that's amazing. changed it. <laughs> well, congratulations for being here and alive. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <First> Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. All right, Melinda. Hi, I'm Melinda Kunst, and I am a survivor of domestic violence as an adult and also child abuse. So I wrote my book, Call Me an Aster. That was my first one. And that was a memoir based on what I experienced as a child and as well as an adult. So I have experienced at least about 25 plus years of abuse. And I just chronologically went through how I got healed from that. And then I did have a second book that was Rising from the Ashes as well and how I healed my PTSD. Wow. Amazing. Wow. <laughs> you for being here to talk about that. That's, um, oh. All right, Lois. Hi, I'm Lois Strachan. I became blind at the age of 21, and my books really are based on showing that disability doesn't mean inability. Mm -hmm. So I have a set of four children's books, The Adventures of Missy Mouse, which show children that someone who's visually impaired is simply a normal person who does things in different ways. Mm -hmm. And my memoir, A Different Way of Seeing, is just showing the, the tools and techniques that I use to accomplish everyday tasks, spiced with a few of the stories of things that I've done since losing my sight. Wow. I am already flabbergasted, and we have three more guests. In. <laughs> Lynn. Hi, everyone. Uh, Lynn Fairchild-Hawks here from North Carolina. I have been uh, honored to be a teacher for many years, and now I'm a young adult author. Uh, and I met so many amazing kids along the way who were survivors of many things. Um, and it inspired me as I hopefully inspired them while they were my students to tell their truths and tell their stories in the classroom through creative writing. I decided to write a story, um, kind of an amalgamation of many stories I had heard about a girl named Wendy who is a survivor of sexual assault and how she gets through that. So that became a book called How Wendy Redbird Dancing Survived the Dark Ages of Not. And then I collaborated with a wonderful illustrator, Robin Follett, on a graphic novel called Minerta about a girl who's bullied for being gifted. And I really have a strong heart for kids who uh, are gifted, weird, and wise, and aren't honored in their community because they're acting too smart. So those are the stories that I've formed. I've just been so inspired by a lot of really strong youth out there. Wow. I, and, you know, I want to take a moment to interject here that this is, this is an excellent example of it doesn't have to be your story. If you're a talented storyteller, you can, you can, um, you can, you can change the world by, by writing it through someone else's eyes or of someone else's story. So thank you. That's, that's incredible that you have become a voice for these people without a voice or without feeling like they can have a voice. So that's great. Kristen. Hi, everyone. I'm Kristen Levis. I'm in Sydney, Australia. Um, I'm originally from the Philippines, and I'm the author of two young adult books, The Girl Between Two Worlds and The Girl Between Light and Dark. And um, these books were originally, it came out from my desire to write about my culture because my daughter um, is growing up in Australia, and um, that means that the Filipino mythology is lost on her because she doesn't, she's not growing up in the Philippines. So I thought, I need to share that story with her. I need to share our mythology, our culture with her. And I can't find, I couldn't find any books here mm -hmm. with those themes. So I thought, why not write it myself? So <laughs> it ended up being a book that I, a project for my daughter. Um, and then a publisher picked it up and it ended up becoming a, a best-selling young adult novel. So I'm really surprised that it ended up like that. So it was just for her. It's like a project for her. <laughs> 
Well, and that's another oh, cool point that awesome. it, it doesn't it doesn't have to be sad either. It can be a good story. <laughs> it can be mm-hmm. stories that are that are helping people embrace who they are, no matter what that situation is. That's really cool. What a cool thing for you to do, uh, Corey. Hi, um, I'm Corey, and I am from Albany, New York, and I am in the process of starting my first memoir. Um, I'm still not sure what part of my life it's going to chronicle. Um, I had big self-esteem issues as a teenager that took me about 20 years to finally reconcile with. And um, I have two adult children with special needs. Um, And I write a lot about that on my blog, in particular with my autistic daughter. Um, She's nonverbal autistic, so she will be with me the rest of her adult life. Um, Yeah, that's... Well, thank My background. You. Uh, thank you for sharing that. I mean, I just had chills listening to each one of you, and it really, like, mm-hmm. I try, I, you know, it's, uh, thank you for all, for being here and for being brave enough to use your voices, whether it's your own story or someone else's, for, you know, n- taking your words and making a difference in our world and, and helping to share whether it's cultural or whether it's, um, you know, how people treat you and respond to you. I think it's so important. What, I, what I'd like to do now is offer the opportunity and we'll, we'll go in the same order because, you know, there are, there are lots of us, everybody has a story. Like we can talk to any woman anywhere and there's something in her life and her story. So I would like to know what it was that made you decide to be a voice for the cause that you are standing up on. Kristen, we kind of, <laughs> you might, we might ask you a little bit of a different question because we know. <laughs> um, but, uh, but we'll start with Nina again and go around and, I, and, and I'll have to come up with a special question for Kristen at the end to dig in. Um, but what, what made you decide, you know, I, I, I'm going to stand up, I'm going to, I'm going to help other people realize either they're not alone or show the world why we need to do something different or whatever it was that made you jump in that way. Uh, thanks, Alexa. So I always like to tell people, uh, if you look at the statistics, it's very rare that you find people um, who learn and connect with you based off of uh uninhibited success it's usually through countless failures that people open up to you and they listen to you not because you don't know what you're talking about until you fail but you really just don't know how exactly you come out of life until you experience you know crushing failure until someone really you know takes something from you that you truly value Um, With me, it was school and grades and failing the bar exam um, and almost flunking out of law school. Um, And then to be an attorney now is just, it's a shock and awe game. But throughout my entire life, I have met women. And the best way that I have learned to connect with women in general is for us to be more honest and transparent about our own failures. And that has been the biggest hangup is that we always try to maintain this strong facade. And that's just not... That's not the reality I wanted to lead. So I've always led with the, I'm going to tell you how it is. Um, my favorite catchphrase is, do you want the truth or do you want me to sugarcoat it? <laughs> and um, and I, I, I usually use my life and my testimony as a true, honest depiction of what really happened to me. And it's not necessarily, uh, you know, easy. It's not necessarily fun for me to tell that story, but I would much rather you be inspired by who I really am than some big person. So that's my big motivation. That's such a great point. We, we've talked a lot about authenticity with different, um, with different people throughout all of this thing. And it is very, very true. I think when you're, when you're selling a book, especially when it's a memoir, a self-help or something based on, on something that's very deep and personal, um, authenticity is so important because people can read right through it. If you're (laughs) say, you know, what are you, I have an example, but I won't call out the author in here, but there's, you know, a a very popular self-help author out out there right now who I don't believe is authentic at all. And when I read her book, I threw it away. So that's not the impact. (laughs) (laughs) I I love that you come from a very, very like, here's what it is, truth, truth side. So, all right, Laura. It's extremely difficult to be vulnerable it's hard to open yourself up. I, I've spent my life hiding 
And one of the things I've had to deal with is really exposing and getting down to the reality of cancer. There are a lot of books out there that kind of skim the surface. But when I was growing up, when I was in elementary school and a teenager and even as a young adult, there were no books about people like me. Back in those days, there were no ribbons, bobbles, beads, mm. colors representing any of us. And I started out writing a memoir, and I was going to write about my late effects, my late effects of sterility and not being able to have children. It's been very devastating, but it didn't quite work out that way. The little girl in me wouldn't shut up. So I started with my seven-year-old self. And it's important that we're authentic. And I'm going to share something I've never shared with anyone. It's one of the reasons why it's taking me so long to write my book, because there's, I have never met anyone else like me in this regard. And I know there are other young girls and women out there that are suffering alone. We all cry in our pillow at three or four in the morning grief is grief because we feel ostracized and we feel alone but i found out when i was 14 number one that i would never have children because of the late effects but i also never went through puberty i have the body of a five-year-old i had breast implants at the age of 16. i saw a commercial growing up about getting your cat neutered or spayed and i didn't know what that was so i looked it up and it said without male nor female parts. So that is how I grew up. And that is what I believed all through college. And it's only, it's only been in my 40s, now I'm 51, where I started coming to grips with that. And I haven't got that book out yet, but that's what I'm working on now. And, and it's difficult. Mm -hmm. And it's beautiful to see every single one of your faces here because we all suffer and we cry but we are not alone we are not alone we are a sisterhood and together we are more powerful i have never shared this story in public ever but i know that through this sisterhood we have the power to share those stories that no one else wants to hear we're here and we're speaking now and it's and you know what if if i can I'm, I'm, everyone obviously is very touched <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> take, take a deep breath here. This is um this is the power of our words right here and embracing the story. And I assure you, you are not the only person. I can't identify with your exact but I identify with feeling very alone with what you know what with whatever I may have gone through and I know um writing for grieving mothers I mean the response that I often get is I feel so alone like no one understands so I mean right you've you've nailed it like this is this is why, this is why because we've taken a step to say I know I want other people to feel like they aren't alone I want to share my journey to help someone else Mm -hmm. Thank you. Sorry. No, 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 no. This is why I only do this with women because <laughs> there's something <laughs> we can have our therapy session and are all here together. It is therapy. It when we write and when we bear our soul and tell our stories, every single one of us have done that, and we yeah. need to celebrate that. Agree. Agree. Melinda. I How think she's, that? you know what, she, <laughs> <laughs> that was beautiful, thank you, thank you, and it's like you were talking to my soul, you really were, and you said so many words that are exactly why I did my own book, um, I didn't want to publish it, I'll be honest with you, uh, because I didn't like being, sharing my vulnerability, sharing mm -hmm. things that I was ashamed of, I didn't want to press that publish button, but I did have an urging from a higher power. And um, also my family just said, you need to do this, not just for you. You need to think out of the box. This is for someone that is struggling silently, like you were for so many, many years, somebody that doesn't have a voice or feel like she has one. So that's why I published it. It wasn't for, for glory, for glamour. It, it's not for me. It's for someone else that's struggling out there. Mm -hmm. And that feels so hopeless. And that's, 
they are silent and they don't know where to turn. They don't think they have anybody to to help with them at all during their situation. So that's why I wrote this. And um, it was very healing. And it was a struggle as well, because I had to dig deep and go back through my childhood up to the present. And uh, there were a lot of memories when I was confronted with them. Uh, it was like hitting a wall. I would automatically, lots of triggers, automatically I would, like as an example, I started to wet the bed again. I started to have panic attacks. Um, and I had to stop. I had to stop writing. So this was a long process of 2009 to 2017. So it took me a long time to get it out. It really did. But I am so happy I did. I was able to reach out. I figured if I can just touch one person to let them know that they're struggling right now, but they can find happiness. They can overcome and that there is beauty in this life, even though they're not in it right now, but someday they'll get there. They will. They just have to take baby steps. They'll get there. And uh, it was just very overpowering, overwhelming. And when I first got that email in the, oh gosh, actually it was a Facebook message that someone said, thank you for writing that. I needed to hear this and I'm not alone that the struggle that I'm facing is real. I'm not crazy for feeling this way or for you know, not getting out of bed and you get it. And that made a world of difference to me and that made the whole thing worth it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. I'm sorry. <laughs> Lois. Just listening to what everyone else has been sharing, I think my reason for writing is very right in comparison i really wrote my book because one of my i'm a professional speaker and one of my speaking mentors said to me that the challenges that as an inspirational speaker telling my story that getting up on stage and and just talking about the things that i do people are sitting in the audience with the the, the question yes but how and to me, it had never been an issue because I just thought it was, didn't matter how I did it as long as I could do it. Yeah. And when I asked the question of friends and family and, 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 and associates on, on Facebook, the message came back, we are so curious about how you do things. Everything from selecting your clothing, applying your makeup, pouring a cup of coffee, cooking, traveling overseas, working with your guide dogs, everything. And I really sat down and took the questions that people asked and went, I can answer those. And a book is probably the best way to do that. Okay. And it was only after I wrote it and started sharing the book that I realized that there was a second audience of other people and the families of people going through visual impairment and blindness. Because it's a book that they can read and go, wow, I can still do things. Mm -hmm. And I can experiment, I can find out what I can do, I can use technology, and, and it's just a way of empowering other people going through visual impairment to understand that the world isn't completely lost when they lose their sight. This is so inspiring. <laughs> I just be part of this. Um, if the, the question is, you know, how did my part begin? Um, besides, besides the students I told you about, um, about 10 years ago when the idea for the Wendy book was formed, I had just spoken to family and friends who also were survivors or had someone close to them who were survivors. And that it overwhelmed me, the pain they were going through. I say it overwhelmed me. I can't imagine, obviously, what they were going through. But I felt so deeply for them. And then an interesting thing happened. I had my stepson with me who was going through a lot of troubles himself at the time. I don't think he'd mind me saying this. He was kind of struggling with adolescent troubles. And he was very shut down and depressed. And we were watching TV on June 25th, 2009, and Michael Jackson died. And I tried to explain to him at age 11 who Michael Jackson was and how much he had impacted me. And I walked away from that moment, not sure that I really connected with my stepson on this, but I thought, what if there was a girl 
who was a survivor and she, she had no way to voice it because you think 2009, Tarana Burke was talking about Me Too, but nobody was listening, right? All of us women were experiencing sexual harassment, many experiencing assault, but it was not a culture where people talked about it much. And it just hit me that a silenced girl could suddenly find a voice through worshiping a celebrity. And that when he died, it somehow activated this energy in her to find her voice. And I know that sounds like a really strange premise, but that's fiction for you, right? <laughs> I think my brain was just turning going, I need to out this story somehow. And so that's what happened is also, and I grew up with Michael Jackson. I mean, he was my hero when I was in high school. And so we all know he has a complicated history since um, a lot of things have come out and people have different stories. And I was dealing with all of that in the book because there's a lot of gray in this, but what is not gray is that um, uh, survivors need to be able to tell their stories. We need to listen. And finally, it seemed like in the last three or four years, America as a culture woke up to, oh, me too. <laughs> um, and you know, seeing all these women post that on social media was so empowering. And going back through my own history of things that had happened to me and saying, oh my gosh, yeah, that was harassment. Oh, that was assault. But as a 50-year-old woman, not feeling like I had the power to say that. Right. So that's, that's a little bit more story behind, behind Wendy. So. I think it's great. Thank you. Kristen, I'm going to come back to you. Unless you feel like after listening to this, you have something that's this, I have a different question for you. Uh, actually, I, I actually can. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because before I wrote the two young adult novels, um, I actually self-published two children's picture books. Mm -hmm. um, because the reason was that um, my daughter was growing up in this first world country and I wanted to share with her how I grew up in the Philippines. Um, so I wrote a children's picture book that ended up, um, people started saying like, is this for real? Like, did you just make this up? Is this fiction? It was actually based on my life growing up um, in a house where half of the house had no floor and no ceiling. So we only lived in the other half where there was a floor and ceiling. We had no windows, we had no doors. Um, there, there was, there were three months when we all we ate was like fish and rice. Oh, wow. It was, we went through hardship growing up. But my daughter, my daughter won't have that, I, I, and I'm very lucky. But then I want her to know that people in other parts of the world actually still um, have difficulty surviving just day to day. Mm -hmm. So the the picture book was actually to share that with her and so that she can see it and other kids here as well in Australia because I donated my books to the libraries here just so kids can have another perspective of what's actually happening in, in countries around the world. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it was a, like an inspirational and extended outside of my family as well. And the other picture book was about a story that my mom used to tell us because we couldn't afford to buy books as kids so we we didn't have books growing up it was just not a thing and there were no public libraries that we can borrow books from right. it, that was just the fact of life so my mom would come up with a story that we would all listen to my sister and I over and over again each night and I thought before we all have dementia and can't remember the story <laughs> I better write this out because it's our favorite story that my mom made up and she's forgotten bits and pieces of it. She can't remember what happened to the thing again or what happened to the prince and what. So I wrote it. And I asked my sisters to help me remember all the bits and pieces and we put it together. And, and that's why it ended up having two children's picture books that ended up um, evolving into young adult books. So yeah, that's how it started. Well, that's a whole different side of like embracing your story. It's embracing the family history and the traditions. And I mean, I think that's, that's really, really cool. And I wish that, I wish we, we had something like that in our family where, where I had stories to pass down from past generations. We read lots of books, but no one in my, in my family told us stories. So I think that's very cool. Corey. Do you have anything to add to it? You look, you look like yeah. you're very... <laughs> I don't, I don't know if I have anything else that I can really say aside from the main reason that I wanted to start writing and sharing my story was not so much 
it was in part because I find writing to be very cathartic and very therapeutic um, if I do it in spurts, because if I do too much of it, then I get taken back to a place where I don't want to be and then I'm not equipped to be in. Mm -hmm. And then I, so I, I just go completely go back there and my mind is just not ready to, to deal with it. So I learned at least um, from experience <laughs> to set it aside for another day. Um, yeah. because I don't, I, I need to be able to function. I have kids, they need me. Um, so part of the reason I, I want to do writing is because it's very therapeutic. And the other reason is, again, wanting people to know that they aren't alone. Um, even though your story might not be the exact same as mine, it's like, well, this is what I went through. Um, and you know, quite a bit of the information out there uh, is still from medical professionals or education uh, specialists or from psychologists and psychiatrists. And I wanted to give that parent, like the real parent perspective of this is what it's like, because that's what I was lacking when my daughter was younger. Um, I wanted to see what was going to happen later on, what was going to happen when you know, she turned 13, what was going to happen when she turned 21, what can I expect? I could not find any of that out there. Um, I'm still hard pressed to find it out there. And it was just very frustrating. So if I can help at least one person not have to go through all of that and just tell them like, hey, this is what's going to happen. And yes, it is okay to have that meltdown while your child is having their own meltdown. And you will be better off for it. So don't, and stop beating yourself up about it. Don't feel guilty about things because there are some days that it's all you're going to be able to do and you just keep moving on. <laughs> so It's a uh, community is ama an amazing thing. And I think the one thing mm. all of us have, while all of our stories are so different, all of our backgrounds are so different. We, we span a wide variety of, of ages and generations and here and life experience and all of that kind of stuff. But uh, the one thing that I think we could all agree on is that the power of community is mm -hmm. so important. And I think to, to wrap kind of what all of us are saying here is that with our words, with our stories, with everything that we're doing, like we are fostering community for people who are like us, who are with us, who are sharing the same things, who are going through the same trials and tribulations. And I think the reason that we are most passionate about taking those experiences and writing the story is because we want to help people in that community cross the bridge from where it hurts really, really, really badly to where they can get beyond and maybe heal or, or, you know, move forward. Um, Nina, my question for you then would be, you are targeting an audience of, of young women who are about to em embrace their journey and you're, you're giving them the tools basically to, in my opinion, to, uh, to weather kind of the storm that, that they may be facing. So um, have you had, have you had success with your book? Have you reached the people that you wanted to reach? And um, well, we'll just start there. <laughs> All right. So I think it's a great question and I want to like dial it back a little bit just so that um, people get perspective because I think that um, you you touched on when I first talk it, talked about it is that this is a key audience that is often missed. Um, a lot of the times when you talk about law school and things like that, they usually say, well, Nina, you should just talk to all women. And I, I love that, you know, I love empowering all women, but I know that I was a minority woman in law school and I faced challenges that were unique to me and that was minority for many different reasons. I was black and Indian, but I was also my first in my family to go to law school. And that minority is, it applies to a lot of different women, but for me to actually be able to talk from that perspective, we often get that miss. We always try to cater to everybody and we miss the people that we're trying to market to because the people that can hear our stories, sometimes, no, I haven't experienced something like someone else, but the people who need our stories are people who are like us and people who have some similar life experiences and they're getting missed because you keep trying to market yourself to one 
to, to everybody. And it doesn't always fit. It, does, it just doesn't always fit everyone. But everyone can be inspired by your story. And that is what has been my big success is that not only have I been asked to speak at multiple events, I think I have about 10 um, events already booked and more are being booked as we speak. Um, but I've been asked to speak to young men um, in about my job and career as an attorney. I've been um, inspiring young men to buy the book. So it is not about how you market and, and, and target your demographic for your success. For me, my success has been that the people that I targeted are not the only people buying the book. I have black men buying it. I have, you know, white women buying it, Indian women. It's just awesome. But when you target based off what you know, about where your comfort zone is, where you grew up and who you are. I'm mean, going to go to your point, Laura, and then it also goes to your point, Kristen, is knowing where you're from and who you are and owning that and talking about who you are and your culture, people really, really attach to that. But more than that, they connect with you on a level because you're willing to be authentically you. And being able to go back, and um, Corey, you inspired me because nobody told me how to do this when I was failing and fucking out of school and nobody was helping me and I had no one in my family to turn to. It was really, really frustrating. So I had to write like a letter to myself almost to inspire myself to go and finish the race. And then each year of law school, I wrote another letter to myself and another letter to myself. And that turned into a book. So that's what's been, that's what's been inspiring. And then in, in the book, you know, we all talked about um, expressing and journaling. I put a journal after each chapter of the book so that they can share their own story and be inspired to write their own books. I just don't think that the book stops with us, but I don't think that any of these stories, ladies, would be written without us first recognizing our value, how much value we add just by knowing who we are and putting it on the table and then opening up other people to be able to talk about it. I mean, it's, that's, that's, what, that's what's brought success to it. That's why people have been buying the book. Um, I've seen the book. You know, it's not best-selling by any means, but this is my first book. So hopefully I can learn tips from you guys who are very well-seasoned um, to get me to a first best-selling level. But uh, it's definitely, you know, doing very well right now, especially here in Birmingham and Alabama and then outside of Alabama as well. Well, I think you, you raised some really great points. I mean, just kind of uh, uh, even just beyond the topic of, of embracing your story, the whole idea of um, niching down in your market and finding the people who need your story first. But I love, and I think that is so true. I think the way to have the most success as an author is to find the people who need your story most first. Um, but I, lo I really love what you said about the, about the, outside impact that it's having on other people who need to hear that story. And it kind of connects with what Lynn was talking about um, with the whole Me Too movement. And mm -hmm. you, not only are we talking about it, but I think people who are willing to open their horizons and look at bigger picture are starting to embrace other people's stories and read different perspectives and feel like I feel a big movement. Well, it's not big enough yet, but I think it's, it's growing. I feel a movement of people who are willing to say, you know, some of these things are happening because we don't understand each other and we don't understand different perspectives and backgrounds. Mm -hmm. And so I think yeah. in your marketing efforts, I think you could do a lot to reach out to, um, HR perspective, you know, people and things like that and say, this is, this is a perspective you need to understand if you're working with, if you're hiring minority women, if you're working mm -hmm. with minority women, if you're, you know, you could take it that way. You could take it in a whole bunch of different ways. My, my mom is a, a law professor and uh, she was at Stanford University for her law school. I was in elementary school, so I tagged along to some of her classes with her, um, but she was in very, very active in the women of color um, student organization. And then throughout her professional career as a law professor, she was often chairperson for the, um, the student minority clubs and organizations. So Nina, I have so much admiration for you um, going through law school like that. Because I remember <laughs> my mom struggles firsthand and it's not easy 
because it's the two strikes automatically. It's one, you're a woman, and then, oh, you're also a minority. So here you go. Here's your hurdles. Let's get across. <laughs> and I don't want to leave without saying most of law school, don't let anyone tell you the differently, is catered from the perspective of a white man. Yeah. And that has been the hardest thing <laughs> to communicate is that that cannot be the perspective that we all have to learn from forever. We have to be able to push back from that notion because we are limited on our own dis discovery and self-discovery. So I think that that's, she struggled a lot because people just don't understand what being minority really is. You're minority in that field because people don't recognize your value. This is kind of the next question that I go to, and I'm not going to ask a particular person. I'll just say if you have something you want to say on this question to jump in here. Um, to take a story that for all of us is very personal, even though all of our stories were very different, there's a very personal element to each one of them. And to take it and to put it in front of hopefully millions of people mm -hmm. is the goal, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of fear that comes along with that. And there's probably a lot of questioning of who am I to tell this story and do I have enough value and all of these types of things. So Nina wants to answer this one. Go for it. Like, how do you do it? <laughs> I mean, want to take it back to me, but I'll just say it's there is so much, and y'all, I'm 26, so y'all probably got me beat by just knowing more about what everything's been going on for a while. But um, I tell people <laughs> my story is very unique. When I was eight, or I was like six years old, I almost died of chicken pox encephalitis. Oh and um, I was in India visiting my family abroad. I hadn't had the chicken pox vaccine, whatever. And it went crazy. But it really happened, y'all, because I refused to take my medicine as a child. And I wanted my mom to give it to me. So it went fast to my brain because of my own stubbornness. And I realized very young, at a young age, that I was just a stubborn and child. And even if I was totally wrong, I would go out there and do it. And I have been given this advice, I think that each one of you ladies have taken this advice and ran with it, is that even if you do it really, really wrong, you get out there and you tell your story. And I think that's what it is. That's what it's going to take for people to re really recognize your value is that you tell them, I don't care if I do this completely wrong. I came here to tell you a story and that story is only going to get better with my experience and my, my, my grind and my hustle. And every time I step up to the stage and I, I talk about my story, that's going to bring me to the next level. So I, that's what I feel like. That's how we get to recognize our value is not being so afraid of not having all our eyes dotted and our teeth crossed. And I think that's what hangs up a lot of us from true success is that we think that it has to be all perfect before we can get out there on a big stage and market ourselves to this company and say, no, I want 20000 Thank you. That's what I want that we don't feel like we had everything perfect and after a while you just have to put yourself out there and start asking for the low figures that lead to the big so that's one, one thing that i would say yeah go ahead laura can i can i add something there one of about talking about our value as people as individuals as mothers daughters as women in general as human beings one of the things I, I really try to teach people to embrace your scars, because we've all got scars, emotional scars, physical scars, psychological scars. I got a whole bunch of all those. <laughs> and one of the things that I, I really try to teach people is look to Mother Nature. How many of you have ever been to the Grand Canyon? How many of you have ever looked at jewels and gems i when i got married i didn't want a diamond i wanted an emerald because an emerald isn't real unless it has a flaw we spend all of our money and we travel all over the world to see these most amazing scars whether it's hiking to see a waterfall or the more the rocks are crumbling, the more the layers and layers of beauty. And we, we are like that. We have these layers and layers of stories and, and beauty. We're extremely complex. And the other thing I, I write about is, um, is turquoise. And when you look at a piece of turquoise, 
when it's real and not fake you'll see it's fused together with colors and veins and it's the same with marble i call it touching the finger of god it's like if you think about mother earth the next time you pick up a rock or a pebble or a stone you look at that and you look at the beauty of that because under all that pressure it didn't break and we are just like that. We are precious gems. And under all of that pressure, we didn't break. So who are we to tell our story? We're unique. Every single one of us, we have a right to tell our story. And, and I got to tell you, my first writer's conference, I pitched my book to, to two producers in Hollywood. And the first words out of the one woman's mouth was, Nobody wants to read a book about a child dying with cancer. And I just smiled and I thought, I've been waiting for that book my whole life. So whatever book you want to read and you feel like nobody's out there writing it, now it's your job to write about that because you're the precious gem and you've got to help other people see the beauty in themselves. Well, I think as to, to wrap that up nicely as well, like that's one of the beauties of self-publishing is that, and I don't, I, you know, I, if people want to traditionally publish however they want to publish, I think that everybody should follow their own route. But I think that traditional publishing is very, very difficult for many people because of that same thing. With When we're talking about the types of things that we're talking about, it, it is potentially a much, much smaller market. And traditional publishers look at how they can make mm -hmm. money. And mm -hmm. what you just said is so important because, you know, the only barrier for us is ourselves to getting our message out into the world. Um, and I think that's really, really, really important that, you know, you don't have to put yourself through that idea of going to an agent and having an agent tell you that your story is not good enough and no one's going to want to read it because somebody wants that story. Um, not to bash traditional publishing at all. There are lots of, you know, there are lots of I'm not going to lie, Brandon House called me tomorrow and was like, we love your story. We'd love to publish it. I'd be like... Right. <laughs> right on but in the meantime just go do it exactly exactly well we are coming i think that up. go ahead Phyllis. so i was gonna say i was gonna say that part of it i think is so often we feel like we are alone in what we're going through and that's part of what brings us to write mm -hmm. but in fact the reality is that there are people out there who can benefit from hearing our stories. Absolutely. They can learn and they can grow. And in a sense, by us having the, the willingness and the strength to share our stories, we are helping people to avoid going through some of the suffering, the struggles, the pain yes. that we've gone through because we've shown them that there is another side of it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a very important point for me is the not the redemption, but the, the ability to know that we can survive and get through through sharing someone else's experiences and reading someone else's experiences. Yes. I agree. Exactly. Um, I, I would like to say, um, okay, so this is what we're going to do. We're getting really close to an hour. <laughs> so I'm going to do like a lightning um, round here. Where we'll just go through quickly and have everybody give the, their um, one piece of advice or tip to a writer, but before I want to follow up on what you just said by one of my favorite, favorite quotes that I have held so close to me ever since I published my first book and with everything that I am doing. And that is a quote by Emily Dickinson that says, if I can stop one heart from breaking, I shall not live in vain. And, um, you know, I think that's where a lot of us come from with our writing. And it's just, so beautiful what all of you bring such different backgrounds such different stories it's you know beautiful so thank you so we'll, we'll go in the order and everybody has their opportunity for their one last tip for aspiring writers or maybe somebody who's already written and is feeling scared or uh, downtrodden or whatever whatever you want your tip to be okay nina here we go all right I want you to take a pen and write out everything that's been on your mind lately and find that inspiration. It's almost like a Rorschach test. 
with your writing. I think a lot of people tell you just write. No, write everything that's been on your mind for the past few years or so and find that inspiration in there because it is wrapped up in there. Mm-hmm. Good advice. Mm-hmm. Laura. A couple of things. Uh, mentors, mentors, mentors. Look for them, find <laughs> them, follow them, and then become them. And my other top thing uh, is I write with music. I have it on all the time. I use it for time travel. When I'm writing about those difficult moments, I take one piece of music and I hit play over and over and over again. And I love exactly what you said, Nina. Write it down. I call it the midnight purge. Purge with music. It makes all the difference in the world. You will find a power you never know existed. (laughs) Thank you. Melinda. Well, I'd like you to write the book that you would have loved to have had when you're going through whatever situation you're going through. And also to keep, my favorite thing is to keep spiral notebook, keep a pad of paper with yes, you. Yes. Don't do what I did and have like little gum wrappers in my car and find them months later. Yes. So keep a pen, keep a recorder, use your laptop, whatever you can to do, capture that moment. Don't worry about the structure. Don't worry about the grammar. You can fix that later. Yeah. That's it. Amen. (laughs) Well, in my case, it's it's the voice recorder on my smartphone, but same concepts, (laughs) just different technology. (laughs) Lois, what's your tip for us? That even when you are feeling, well, no, that was just reinforcing what what Melinda said, but just to reinforce that even when you do feel that you're at your most alone when you're writing, to remember that your book, your story will have the power to change someone else's life and even many people's lives Mm -hmm. and to know that there's something inspiring in that yes thank you lois your voice is so comforting i just want to say that i know just keep going (laughs) i'm done i'm done (laughs) our next segment will be deep thoughts by lois so we can all (laughs) yeah i'm ready for more (laughs) oh my goodness lynn Uh, I do this workshop with writers called Writing Your Resistance. And so there's two things that are kind of connected. We live in a a crazy age where people don't listen to statistics, even though they're important. So when you're writing fiction, I say, round out your characters and make them as weird and unique and strange. (laughs) Tell that unique story because people then lean in and listen. Mm-hmm. Don't don't write stock characters. Write that unique, weird. Go into all the weirdnesses of your character. <laughs> thing, and you'll have to cut some stuff, but really explore that in your fiction. And then the other thing you got to do, especially if you're a white girl like me, is you resist the bully within. Because if you live in privilege, now I, females don't live in privilege, but white white people do. You have to you have to really think: Am I somehow bullying somebody with my writing without even knowing it? You got to really self interrogate if you're going to write stories and write your resistance. So that's those are my thoughts. <laughs> that, I just want to say that that's a really excellent point to bring out, and thank you for addressing that. So, Kristen. Okay, mine is super practical. I'm a really pragmatic type of person, but um, give up something every day. Like if coffee or something and put it aside because you can use that money to hire an editor who can help you with your writing. Yeah. Um, because if you have a really good story to tell, you need a professional to help you polish that. Um, it's hard to self-edit. I, I know that for a fact. So yeah. um, that's what I did. I put aside coffee money or I don't know a handbag money or shoe money or something and just <laughs> did not buy anything for that month and put it in somewhere I couldn't touch it and then I used that to hire an editor that who could who was able to polish my work and how it ended up being picked up by a publisher after that so you know I thought the first draft was the bomb because you know I'm so awesome <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> It's not. It was so bad. So the editor helped a lot with my writing. Yeah, that's fantastic. I 
totally agree. Everybody needs a professional editor. Mm-hmm. And we'll put in yeah. a plug for one of our um, sponsors, Pro Writing Aid. It's a wonderful self-publishing tool. Edit, self, sorry, self-editing tool. But I would say even they would tell you once you're done self-editing, then take it to the professional editor. So um, yeah, that's that's a great advice. And, and I see many, many people cut corners on the stuff where they really need to not cut the corners, mm-hmm. like a good cover yeah. and a good, um, you know, and, and it's, it only does you a disservice because if people can't get your message because they're so bogged down in the mistakes you've made and the grammatical errors that trip them up, then then you've lost the opportunity to impact someone. So that's, that's a great point, Kristen. Thank you. Corey. Um, my one tip would be to grant yourself the grace to take a break. Um, you don't have to get it done in one big fell swoop, even if the perfectionist in you is screaming that, yes, you do need to get it done. Tell her to shut up. <laughs> and if you need to cry and take a break, go cry and take a break. Because yes, if your goal is for this to be therapeutic, that's awesome. But if you're just going to set yourself back that much in the process, it's not worth it <laughs> to just you know, you, were, you remind me of a, of a session that we did last year that I didn't do this year that I really should have every year. And that is self-care when writing, especially yeah. when you're writing <laughs> topics that are triggering. Because it's so, 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 so important. So thank you for that reminder. The break, it's, it's taking a break, walking away. Um, don't trigger yourself to the point that you can't function in society. (laughs) That's not good. Oh my goodness, ladies, this has been more than I ever dreamed of Mm -hmm. in terms of, of what you all brought. This has been so wonderful. Thank you for sharing your very, very, very open hearts. And, um, you know, I just, I will make sure that all of your contact information is very, very available for people because I'm sure you're going to have people that want to reach out and connect (laughs) Don't forget, if, uh, if you're an all-access past member, you can join us in the Facebook group where you can interact with these ladies one-on-one or whole group on one or whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you. I just, I, my heart to yours. I'm very appreciative of your time and everything that you just poured forth into, into our, our audience. So thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks, Thanks for this oh, amazing opportunity. Nice to meet you, everyone. <laughs> so great to meet everyone. Yes, nice to meet everyone.